If you're looking for a podcast that's breaking down the upcoming NFL football season. Have you lost your mind? A little bit, yeah. That's not what this podcast is. You're absolutely no. right. No, this isn't that podcast. This is, however, comedy, tragedy, marriage. marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where a couple married 30 five years so far so far uh takes turns each episode selecting a movie to watch uh we then sit down and talk about it and share that conversation with you scintillating isn't it well we (laughs) hope so but anyway uh i am stan the movie man i review films at standthemovieman.com and you can follow me on twitter at movie man stan and follow the podcast at CT Marriage. You can send us emails if you'd like, comedy tragedy marriage at gmail.com, and you can leave us a voice message simply by clicking the link in the description of this podcast. Joining me as always is my co-host, my significant other, my partner in life, Aww. my other half. Maud the Catchy Broad. Okay, and there's a reason for that. It was your choice of movies this week. There's always a reason. Of course. Why don't you tell us about this week's movie? It was my turn to choose this week's thing to watch, and I chose the 1970 um, Mike Nichols film Catch-22. Now, a little bit of backstory about this choice. I watched it back in cold weather when I was still heavily medicated and pretty much laid up from that damnable virus, Mm -hmm. um, which people just protect yourselves, just ominous, ominous, protect yourselves, do whatever you need to do. Um, And at the time, I... I found it intriguing, and so I filed it back in my archive thinking that Stan and I should watch this together at some point so that I could um, get your opinions about it. Mm -hmm. Um, As I said, um, this film was directed by Mike Nichols. Um, It came out in 1970. It was based on the novel by Joseph Heller of the same name, which was published in 1961. Heller actually started writing that book. Um, back in 1953, so it was a a long project. Now, the cast of this film is stellar. Um, Alan Arkin as Captain John Yossarian, the whole thing is kind of seen through his eyes, as it were. We also see Bob Balaban, Martin Balsam, Richard Benjamin, um, Norman Fell has a small appearance as a uh, first sergeant. Art Garfunkel in his acting debut, apparently. Billed as Arthur. Billed as Arthur, yes. Um, Jack Guilford as Doc Danica, who you might remember from Cracker Jack commercials from ch- childhood, if you're of a certain age like yes, we are. Yes. Charles Grodin, Buck Henry, who also wrote the screenplay, Bob Newhart. Um, Anthony Perkins as a really inept creepy chaplain, um, Paula Prentice, Martin Sheen, John Voight, who was completely despisable, in mm-hmm. my opinion, mm-hmm. and um, an interesting turn by um, Orson Welles. Yes. Yes, you were going to say. Well, all, all I was going to say is, is uh, you know, it's a small role, um, pivotal in some ways, 
and he's not wearing a big fake nose because he liked to change his face. When no facial hair either. No facial which was hair. Odd. Well, not for the time, I don't think. For um, him though. And um, you know, he he what he didn't write it. He didn't direct it. Um, and I think, quite frankly. He's just having fun. Oh, definitely. I mean, granted, he may have done the role for the paycheck so he could finance the next movie that he wasn't going to finish. Yeah. Um, that thing about the wind. Uh, I don't know if it was that or, you know, whatever. Some he was else. constantly doing movie roles and commercials oh, yeah. to, to finance a movie project that never got finished. Paul Masson will sell no wine before it's time. Yes, and there's a very famous... Uh, piece of audio where he's doing a I guess a radio commercial for frozen peas wow <laughs> and that is the basis for Maurice uh, LaMarche and his uh, brain voice which is essentially just an Orson Welles impression which is beautiful and you know he's he's uh, he's arguing about the script uh, uh, <laughs> about the frozen peas about the frozen pea script it's it's pretty <laughs> Delightful. It, it is funny. I, I'm certain if you went to YouTube, you could probably find it pretty easily. But anyway, uh, yes, it does look like Orson Welles is having a blast as this crazy general. Yeah, there's some scenery chewing, and it's um, it's it, that particular scenery chewing is delightful. This film um, is a satirical, somewhat surreal, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, look at the goings-on of this particular unit of soldiers during World War II. Yes. Um, their Colonel Cathcart, Ma Martin Balsam, who is a complete jackass mm -hmm. in this role, and, you know, that's what the role was designed to be. Um, he keeps increasing the number of missions these 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 pilots and bombardiers and people have to fly before they can transfer. Mm -hmm. And um, long and short, these pilots and bombardiers are losing their crackers. Yes. And we see various manifestations of the um, the stress and the toll that this um, constant pressure cooker um, takes on these men. Mm -hmm. And um, I just... Um, I still don't know what to make of it, which is partly part of the reason why I think that this film is brilliant. Because it has my wheels turning inside my brain. Mm. And that, to me, is always a hallmark of a, of a good film. Um, it looks amazing, for one thing. Yeah. Um, they, Cinematography is exceptional. When they're at the base, which appears to be in a desert near some mountains and near the sea... The Mediterranean. And, uh, They're apparently in the Italian area somewhere. Yes, because they spend a lot of time in Rome and, and an other, Italian whorehouse. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a beautiful looking film. We watched it on Paramount Plus. We did, um, and it was free. And, and it, that's where I streamed it the first time back in the sick winter. Right. And um, it's it's just a spectacular looking film. Not only the scenery. Um, the uh, saturation of the color. Uh, it, this may be some sort of, um, you know, remaster or something uh, where they restored it to 
looking like it, it would, would have, have when it was new. But it's it's a beautiful looking film, despite how ugly some of the story is. Yeah, um, and it is, and it's an interesting. Um, look at war and the toll war takes on those who fight it and those who are, uh, you know, uh, collateral damage. Yeah, on the periphery. Specifically the uh, citizens of this Italian town they mm-hmm. frequently go to. But um, um, there's, there's, there's a lot going on in this movie. It is weird at times, very weird. Especially, That's the surreal part. Right, especially since one of the first things we see is um, our protagonist, Yossarian. Uh, Yossarian, is stabbed as he's walking down, uh, walking away from a, a meeting with his commanding officers. Yeah. They've and just made a deal. We don't know what that deal is until late in the movie. And we don't know who stabbed him and until we, later in the movie. Right. Uh, and then from that point on, the rest of the movie is told in flashbacks. Yeah, it's not linear. There were times when I thought he was, uh, because I hadn't seen this movie before, I thought maybe he was dying and some of these things he was seeing Me were, were his li- was his life flashing in front of his eyes or he... Uh, the transition between life and death, and he's looking back yeah. on things. Dying or dreaming. Right. Um, it's, you know. It, I thought all of those things when I saw it. Um, he goes back, what, at least three times to uh, a young man who was severely injured on one of the bombing runs uh, that he didn't know the kid's name. Yeah, Snowden. Snowden, and he has to be reminded of that, and he's trying to help Snowden, who, at first, we see that he's uh, he, his leg is severely injured and it could have cut an artery, and he may be bleeding out. And yeah. He's trying to help him, and we find out later his injuries are significantly more severe. But yeah. he keeps coming back to that scene over and over again um, after he's been stabbed. Yeah, that's a pivotal event for him. It may have been the thing that broke him. Because, and here's the other interesting thing about this movie. Everybody around him is nuts. Yeah. From the commanding officers to the general who fly, you know, Orson Welles flies in a couple of times. um, And... uh, to uh, Bob Newhart's character, oh. uh, Major Major, Major Major, who uh, was who was initially Captain, Captain Major. Major, right? That that there's there's a lot of wordplay in this movie. Yeah, uh, but he um, <laughs> he he doesn't want to be bothered by anybody who wants anything from him. So he tells uh, his assistant Norman Fell Norman Fell that. The only time you let people come in to see me is when I'm not here. To be seen, yeah. Yeah, to be seen. I don't want to see anybody in the office when I'm here. I don't I'm want here. anybody asking me for anything. Um, well, when can when can people see you when I'm not here? It's like there. It's it's almost like this who's on first kind of scene, you y- know. Yes. Um, Richard Benjamin's character is pretty lighthearted throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Buck Henry is almost Nazi-esque in his portrayal of his yes. of his colonel, Colonel Korn. Mm-hmm. Um, the they're all crazy, but it's different flavors of crazy. And Alan Arkin, who you know is burned out, he doesn't want to go any more missions. Uh, he has panic attacks practically every time. He wants the doctor to, to ground fly. him. He wants the doctor to ground him, which is where we get the reference to Catch-22. Catch 22. Because he can't ground him if he asks to be grounded, but if he sends him off to, uh, if he gives him like a psychological thing, they'll just send him to a hospital, say he's fine, and send him back. Yeah. Um, there's there's all these, this happens a couple of times. Yeah. Um, in he various can, he settings. He cannot get a break. That's right. But, Everybody calls him crazy when he wants to go home and, and his commanding officer keeps increasing the number of missions they have to fly. Yeah. So eventually, you know, they're going to die uh, on one of these missions. Yeah. And they'll just bring in other pilots to take over for them. Um, and but, I think in some cases they'd rather be dead than, you know, I mean, in one case particularly pilot just flew his plane cut a guy in half standing on a dock and then that flew was his, really weird and, and then completely flew his unexpected plane, yeah and flew his plane into the side of a mountain yeah that 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 scene was really weird uh, bonners peter, bon- peter bonners peter bonners who if you ever watched the bob newhart show the one set in chicago From the 70s, yeah where he's a psychiatrist Peter Bonner's played the the dentist. the dentist that they share the floor of the building where uh-huh. they're in. Uh, and, and did you notice um, one of the surgeons when they're working on Yosarian was um, Newhart's um, his patient, his, the patient that we saw the most during? No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Was that, that Jack Riley? I think so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, a couple of things, a couple of disclaimers. For 1970, this movie is pretty raw. Um, we have a couple of instances of female full frontal nudity. Mm-hmm. We have language. We the have language isn't that bad. No, but I mean, we, I think we get one f bomb. But but we have some. Is well, the yeah, thing. there's there's other language, but and um, there's some blood and one like you know the guy gets cut in half by the airplane mm-hmm. that that is pretty graphic mm-hmm. and when we see the full extent of Snowden's injuries that is a graphic and shocking yeah that's the a, way that that is shot that is quite the reveal yeah when that happens it's quite the reveal and, and it and it's disturbing it is um but um you know, within the context of the movie, it, it makes sense. It's not done for... No, know. it's not gratuitous. It totally is necessary to, I think, fully flesh out Yossarian's experience and why why he appears to be so tortured by yeah. that. Um, it would torture me, too. Uh, there's also a, a character um, that is played by an actor who has become somewhat controversial in modern times, and that is John Voight as First yeah. Lieutenant Milo Minderbinder. Binder. Yeah, he's despisable. Uh, he's a mess officer. That's what he's described as. Yeah. But he also has come up with this plan to get everybody rich, specifically him and his commanding officer, um, by forming a corporation 
M&M Enterprises. Yeah, he calls it the syndicate a number of times. Yes. He's constantly, um, you know, making deals under the table, black market stuff, exchanging various goods and, and products with various other countries, various other armies. Including the Germans. Yeah. I mean, this is World War II. Yeah. That would be treason. We're not supposed to be playing with them, but right. Minderbinder Minder is a snaky, smarmy little squirrel. Um, he, and as his plans, you know, move further along, he becomes more and more despotic. Uh, there's a scene late in the movie where he's standing up in a car. Looks a lot like Hitler. Well, Hitler or Mussolini, or because Mussolini. they're in they're in or, uh, Italy, yeah, or any other or Stalin, you yeah, want to think of, and the MPs, the White Hats, as they're referred to by mm-hmm. the locals, uh, their uniforms have M and M patches on them. Mm-hmm. Um, he has created this sort of fiefdom of his own, um, and he doesn't care um, about anybody else um, the things that are uh, important to him are strictly making deals and making money um, a number of the characters in this movie die and I wanted him to be one of them I would have loved to have seen that and the more graphic and painful the better the thing is with this movie is the people you think should die that, that in a normal movie would die don't and the more it goes along, the, uh, the, the characters that are, um, you know, sort of neutral or uh, less threatening, mm-hmm. they either die or they just disappear. Yeah. Um, Bob Balaban plays this uh, kid named Orr. And when I say kid, I mean Bob Balaban looks like he's about 17 years old when he uh, when they shot this movie. Um, and he's constantly crashing his plane. Yeah. And that's why Yossarian doesn't want to fly with him because he's constantly, constantly crashing, crashing his, plane. his plane. And he's um, annoyingly positive about all this stuff. Very matter of fact. Um, and, you know, he... he He's, uh, among the weird characters, he's right up there. He's a special flavor of weird. Yes. And, and you know, he's this this kid yeah. um, who seems oblivious to the fact that he's constantly crashing the plane he's in. Yeah. It's um, like a game. Yeah, yeah. And that nobody pays, nobody wants to fly with him. Or at least Yosarian does, and I'm sure others don't either. Um, but... You know, he's he's crazy like a fox, it turns out. we Yeah, don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it for this, what, 61-year-old movie? Um, 1970, so 51. 51. Um, you know, he, but he's, he's well, the, this was the first time I'd seen it, so I probably wouldn't like if somebody spoiled it for me either. But, you know, he's he's this, this kid who is smarter probably than everybody there. Uh, crafty, at least. Crafty, yeah. Um, and, yeah. Then there's the whole sex worker um, part of this movie. Yes, which um, 
if you can get a World War II soldier to talk about that period of their life, mm -hmm. they may talk about the female company that they kept when they were overseas, or they may not. Um, uh, I am going to spoil a little here. We learn that, um, eventually we learn that this network of sex workers was working for Milo Minderbinder and we get, you know, we get told basically, you know, they all work for Minderbinder. Yeah, every, um, every, everybody's working for him. Everybody is uh, working for him and uh, this includes, uh, you know, Sarian's Italian girlfriend who probably was introduced to him or, or, um, Minderbinder um, sent her to get involved with Yosarian to keep him out of the way. Well, and she knew um, Nately's Italian woman, who mm -hmm. was another sex worker, who was Art Garfunkel's character's fiance. He yes. he really felt like he was in love with her, and. Whether and was going to bring her and her kid sister back to the states when the war was over, and whether um, he they were in love, whether she, you know, was just using him to get to America. That could have been his flavor of crazy. Was um, the delusion that that she was in love with him? Maybe. And you know, every time um, Yosarian talks to the sister, she says. You know, give, give me a, me a dollar. dollar, and you take me to America. Yeah, when do we go to America? Uh, that question gets asked numerous times, um, but it's and, and then they're all and I'm not sure they were all working for him, working for Minderbinder until he was right, um, rounding them all up. Yeah, because they some of them were working in another establishment. Mm -hmm. Um. His syndicate grew. Yes, um, and you know, there's there's so many weird things about this movie that, when seen within the whole story, make more sense. It's almost like a cubist painting. It's like a whole bunch of little different sections mm -hmm. that each tells its own story, mm -hmm. and then you put it all together. And it, you see something different. Yes. I mean, I'm not an art expert or critic by any means, but that's that's the thing that it reminds me of is certainly a, a cubist painting or maybe a surrealist piece of art. Um, it's definitely not impressionistic or classical or romantic. It's definitely much more disjointed and sharp-edged than that. Yes. It's sort of like a fever dream in a way. Very much so. <laughs> because, you know, there's there's things that happen that make zero sense. Which, again, is why I wanted to watch this later with you. Yeah. Because the first time I watched it, I was really sick and heavily medicated. Um, not on any fun medication, no. but I still, I was not myself mm. at the time. So I wanted a second viewing and I also wanted a second opinion. Well, and like you said, it's kind of and I think it's meant to be this way. Um, it's hard to tell if you understand what's going on, but it makes your mind work. It causes you to to ponder the things you've seen and and maybe connect them with other 
you know, personal experiences maybe. Sure. Of course, neither of us have been in a war or even been in Italy or anywhere else foreign. But, um, you know, there's, there's so much going on in this movie. Uh, and apparently this, the book was considered almost unadaptable for a long time. Well, yeah, and there were there were a lot of things in the book that the movie changed, but uh, Joseph Heller approved of the screenplay yes. the way it was, yes. so he was okay with it. I think he realized probably that that the work that he had written probably was impossible to portray exactly mm-hmm. on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, well, every book that gets turned into a movie varies um, it, some. yeah it has there are adjustments characters are combined uh, or events are you know streamlined mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit because in a book you can you can have pages and pages and pages of the inner monologue of a of a character mm-hmm. you can't do that in a movie unless you're going to do it all in voiceover and then you have a 12-hour movie exactly um so, so things have to be altered yes. for the screen. Um, and having not read the book, I couldn't tell you how altered. But No, but I may find it to take on vacation. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, that would be a project, I think. It is, a, um, it, it, is a, it is truly a great movie. Okay, so I wasn't wrong about that part. No. Um, it is uh, fascinating. It is uh, so satirical. Yeah. Um, because all the people in charge are either crazy or evil or incompetent. Or a combination of all or that. Or some, some grouping of those uh, and more. Um, there's random violence um, yeah. that... Um, a couple of things will break your heart to see them. Uh, yeah. And they're very brief. So if you're not paying attention... You're talking about the walk through the city? Yes. Okay. If you're not paying attention, there are there are really important little moments that you'll miss. And there's one very, very little moment early in the movie where a piece of scenery changes. Yeah. It's it's never referenced. No. I just happened to notice I it. I noticed it too. And well and that's that was on purpose. Oh, you know of that was on, was on that purpose. was a piece of the satire. Right. Um, this is a very subversive piece of business. Very satirical, yeah. um, laugh out loud, funny At in times. several places. Mm-hmm. I will tell you something that I will tell the podcast people something that I told you last All night. All five of them, yes. All five of them. Um, thank you, by the way. We yes, love you. We do appreciate it. Um, Charles Grodin, hmm. more often than not, was always a funny actor. A funny, a lighter character actor. Mm. He has a scene in this thing where he is Oscar-worthy scary and creepy. And it's terrifying. So, I mean, there are some really, really good performances in this film. Yeah, that that particular scene you're talking about... Oh, God. ...is like like a punch in the face. Yeah. I mean, it is... You know, he's a character that... You know, talks. He acts like he's completely um, oblivious to what's going on he's around him. He's refined, and he cares about manners, and he cares about impressions, and all these sorts of things. Yes. Until yeah, and then we see the other side, and yeah. it's 
terrifying. Yeah, he, and again, I don't want to spoil it, but there's... An event. He, he, well, there's an event, but when Yosarian comes in after this event occurs, mm-hmm. and he says... What he says. Well, the line I'm thinking of, which won't really spoil anything, but he says, I've never paid for it in my life. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's jaw-dropping. Yeah. Along with everything else that happens in that scene. Yeah. Um, that, and he's, he's just, you know, dismissing something that the rest of us find horrific. Um, Which is what happens to a lot of soldiers who are subjected to such violence and such stress mm-hmm. in the context of war. Yet which, when he is in the plane and it's being shot at, he's just smoking his pipe. And he's completely fine. He's oblivious Unflappable. to the danger. And uh, not that he doesn't realize that there's danger. He's he just, just keeping his cool. He just, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's... It is such an interesting movie that is so well made um, and has some amazing performances. And a, a, a now maybe not all of them were big stars at the time, but they became. But you know, and you know, uh, Jack Guilford. Yeah, he was a, a minor character actor and a, a TV pitch man. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, he has a significant role in in the film as the doctor, and is is terrific. Yeah, uh, it's it's. They all were. Yeah. Um, this is a blockbuster cast. Now, looking yes. at it now, it probably was not at the time. Yeah, uh, I you know I don't know how much that Bob Newhart had done. He was really more of a TV guy. Um, um, and records, later, comedy later, records. Yes, he, yes. The Martin Sheen albums. was just coming onto the scene, and yes. his portrayal of his character has a very intense um, and beautifully acted scene, which, mm-hmm. of course, it's Martin Sheen. Come on. And Art Garfunkel, while not the greatest actor in the world, um, perfectly was, suited for this role. Yes. He, he, um, he's just so sympathetic and, and it's heartbreaking. He's innocent. Yes, he's an innocent um, who's seeing god-awful things yeah. or being involved in god-awful things. Um, you know, and Martin Balsam and Buck Henry are two of those people I wanted to die. Yeah, um, they were. their characters were despisable. Yes, uh, and Buck Henry, you know, a lot of people... Our age, know him from Saturday Night Live. Sure, but he, this is several years prior. Right, he wrote. They on also it. know him from Get Smart. Yes. Yes. Um, but he's, you know, he's he's this brilliant writer who was also a very good actor, mm-hmm. um, and could and inhabited this terrible, terrible person. Oh yeah, this, he had a style. This movie is chock full of of. Great performances, amazing people. It's one of those catching lightning in a bottle kind of movies yeah. where it could have gone so wrong, um, so many different places. Orson Welles could have acted up, you know, and they would have had to recast him in the middle. Well, he may have, but what what we see is what we get with mm. him, and it's brilliant. And and this this movie has a very complicated structure, just with 
the number of performances and how it's all put together. I could talk about this movie for hours. But what we're going to do is take, take a, break. a break. And then we're going to give it our grades. And then we're going to talk about what we've watched. And we'll return to Comedy Tragedy Marriage right after this. Welcome back to Comedy Tragedy Marriage. We watched Catch-22. Mod, please tell me, what grade do you give on a uh, one to five uh, things? things um, I give this movie 11 bloody parachutes. Oh, there you go. Um, I think it's brilliant. It, I still, the squirrel on the little treadmill thing inside my head is still spinning mm-hmm, today. It mm-hmm. will still be spinning next week mm-hmm. um, because of how smart this movie is. Um, it raised up a lot of empathy in me and made me feel things. And it's making me think. And I think that that is a really good thing. And I've, because of this movie, I've already decided what my next movie choice is going to be. It came out the same year. It was Robert Altman's MASH. Okay. Dealing with a different war, mm-hmm. but they came out the same year, and I want to do a compare, compare, contrast, critical kind of analysis. Okay. We can do that. Um, yeah, five uh, golden parachutes for me, too. It is a troubling, yet amusing, yet thought-provoking film that is, I think, as relevant now as it was in 1970. Oh, can I say one more thing? Sure. Um, John Voight's character in this movie... Mm-hmm. Makes me think that he deserved what happened to him in Deliverance. That's all I'm going to say. That's all well, I'm going to say. He didn't get the worst of that movie. He didn't, but he got some. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, you got pretty man. He does. Uh, yeah. So and he, John Voight was beautiful in 1970. He was a beautiful, handsome, mm-hmm. blonde, fair-eyed, tanned, cleft chin beautiful leading man looking dude and his character was the scum of the earth and um anyway yeah what Uh, have you been watching stan well we can discuss yes um we watched the first episode of what if on disney (gasps) plus oh my god so cool yeah uh (laughs) it is uh there is a a line of marvel comics called what if and it's uh what if a character or event occurred differently, how would that have changed the Marvel universe? Quantum alternate universe kind of stuff. Well, there's a there is a theory in in one of the last two Avengers movies about how a slight change within the timeline creates all these branches. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's what's happening here. We're exploring the the branches. Right. And in the first one, we find out what would happen if Peggy Carter had been given the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers. Uh, there's a whole reason why that happens. Um, and well, yeah, you got to make it plausible, right? Mm. And <laughs> that's, that's not let's not be that way. And uh, there's um, you know how that would have change things. If she had become Captain Carter. If she had become Captain Carter. And uh, they even managed to get her into modern times using a a little trick. Yeah. Um, 
But um, yeah, yeah. The first episode I thought was really good. It was really cool. There are a lot of Easter eggs, things that you'll recognize if you've seen most, if not all, of the movies. And I'm starting to understand some of them. Yes, you are. Um, and a lot of the voices for this animated series are the original actors, mm-hmm. with a few exceptions. Uh, the the voice of Steve Rogers is played by another actor. But Haley Atwell is, is Haley Peggy Atwell Carter. And Samuel L. Jackson shows up in the end. Stanley as, Tucci um, is little doctor dude. Yeah, uh, the German scientist who Erskine. developed uh, Erskine, yes. Uh, we also, um, you know, we see a lot of familiar characters. You know, if you've seen Captain America the First Avenger, you'll you'll understand it all. You'll feel right it right off the bat. So, uh, it comes out every Wednesday, and uh, we get a as we record this, it's Tuesday, so we'll get a new episode tomorrow. And this one uh, features what if T'Challa had been picked up by the Ravagers instead of um, what if, what if T'Challa was Star Lord? <laughs> so. Uh, instead of Peter Quill, so we're Star at, Panther, meow, meow, um, and you know, and he's not a Black Panther because he was a little he's kid when another, he was taken. Yeah, so he he hadn't gone through the trials and all that stuff. So interesting. Um, yeah, and it's it's Chadwick Boseman doing the voice. Oh wow. Um, Feels. We also get Michael Rooker, uh, who. Um, is uh, playing Yondu, okay. uh, the blue-skinned alien who abducted. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, that's beside the point. That one's uh, tomorrow. But that one's tomorrow night, so I'm looking forward to that. And I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think all of the what-ifs are going to sort of, they're all within one time frame. So... You know, Will they eventually uh, coalesce? We may have an uh, alternate Avengers kind of thing mm-hmm. that comes up uh, by the end. Okay. So that um, was, uh, that's What If on Disney+. Plus. We also watched more of Explained mm-hmm. on Netflix uh, where they take a topic and for 15 or 20 minutes they break it down. And they're all very interesting. Highly recommend it. The one yeah. about dogs was really cool. Aww. Yes, your dog Puppies. does love you. Yes. Uh, so that was good. Also on Disney Plus, I watched uh, the the series Monsters at Work. I watched two or three episodes. It's the Monsters Inc. Uh, universe. Okay. Um, and it starts as a new recruit is uh, brought in to. Um, who he thinks he's going to scare small children to um, produce energy from Monsteropolis or whatever the name of the city is. Okay. Um, turns out, right as he's brought in, they change it to laughter. That's that is the new, as happens at the end of the original movie. Okay. They uh, they there's some plot uncovered and. Um, now they'll they'll do laughter instead of screams because actually laughter produces more energy for them to use. But they're in a transition period. Okay. Um, and um, what's his name? Sully. John Goodman's big blue purple okay. furry monster. Um, and Mike Wachowski 
Wozniski. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, Billy Crystal's character, they're both back to to re- do those voices. Okay. And uh, the kid who's been brought in is now working in the maintenance department um, and doesn't like it and wants to get on what was called the scare floor, which is now the laugh floor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's his adventures in trying to become this, you know, move up in the company. Part of the, yeah. And, um, you know, it, it is very entertaining. It retains a lot of the original movie's energy and, of course, the look. Um, and, you know, a lot of the voices are back for cool. that. So, uh, Monsters at Work on Disney Plus is really cool. Um, I watched, I don't know, three, four episodes of Top Secret UFO Projects Declassified mm. on Netflix. And as always with these things, they never have anybody on who can debunk the theories um, and all of their UFO experts are saying things like they ignore all the best evidence or they're trying to, um, uh, the government's trying to to make you think that uh, they've investigated all, all of these um but they've really not. They've they've just ignored the ones that they can't verify, that they can't conclusively prove is a misidentified airplane or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's all a big secret. Yes, it is. Um, I was actually kind of watching this with one eye with you, mm-hmm. and I was surprised you stuck with it for as long as you did. Yeah. Well, when I started, and I say, well, let's see how mad this makes me. Yeah. And it didn't make me terribly angry, but you know, it's all it's a lot That's of the, the same, same people, stuff. all the same stories. Um, sometimes they they use a lot of um, CG to reenact the events. Sometimes the events that are reenacting do not match the stories the people are telling. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's it's more of the same as far you know it's like ancient aliens or but the truth is out there scully well it's just maybe not here um do i believe there are there is intelligent life in the universe well of course i do because there are trillions of stars and multi-trillions of planets orbiting those stars life developed here so it's going to develop somewhere else there's just the numbers you know did you see the Facebook question about um, aliens land on Earth right now and, you know, what is their three-word response to what they see? And my response was, next stop, please. <laughs> and lots of people laughed at that. Yes, I would go I made with, it funny. I would go with, no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, if, if you know, whatever, watch it if you want to. I'm I'm not going to finish it. I don't know how many more episodes there are, but I'm just going to let that one go. It was meh. Top Secret UFO Projects Declassified on Netflix. And finally, I watched a series of short films on Disney Plus called Short Circuit. This uh, The second season of this is out now, um, but I don't know if they're releasing them weekly or if they're um, dropping the whole thing. Dropping the whole thing at once because the first season had like a dozen, like, and they're all very, very short. Um, hence the name, Short Circuit. And uh, the second season only has like three so far. I don't know if more are coming or what, but they are very, very 
very short films. One of them is 97 seconds long. Oh, gosh. But they are all preceded by the creators talking about where the story came from, uh, why, you know... Why they made it. Why they made it, and, and, you know, working with all of these people. Some of them have never made short animated films before. Um, That's cool, talking to the creators. Yeah. And again, those are very short, too. Uh, I'll tell you, at least two of them destroyed me and they were back to back and at one point I had to stop it because I needed to openly weep for about 15 minutes oh Uh, this must have happened when I wasn't home well yeah it was on Saturday okay you were were at work and I jeez that particular one is about a um, family having to confront that their elderly parent needs to be in assisted living. Oh gosh. And it Trigger does much. it does very quick uh little looks back at their life in this house and the last line destroyed me. Now I was already on the edge as it was from the one before that. Um so this so, pushed you over the cliff. So this one just it it pushed me over the cliff and it had me hold a heavy rock so I would fall faster. Aww. It uh it but you know it was well worth it. Sometimes you got to purge. Well, you need to show me this when I need to cry. So <laughs> Well, just bookmark it. And look, animated stuff doesn't affect you the same way as it does me. No, it might not destroy me, but then again, I cried like a woman at the end of the big sick. That's so, true. of course, I was big sick at the time. That's Different true. kind of big sick, but um yeah, I cried like a girl. It was well, ridiculous. And and you know, I'm an easy cry because, you know, I've cried at a couple of the uh Pixar movies we've watched. Yeah. Inside Out and Coco. Uh, Coco, yes, Coco. Yes. Um Inside Out for me, not so much, but Coco, yeah. Coco hit me in my feels. Yeah. So, uh, but if you enjoy animation and you just want to fly through, you know, like 15 episodes, it's called Short Circuit. It's on Disney+. Plus. Cool. What have you watched? Not really much of anything. Um, I am about midway through season three of All in the Family. Mm-hmm. Dude, i got to tell you, I am really loving revisiting this. <laughs> and again, much like our movie choice this week, a lot of what was covered in All in the Family is still so relevant and still so um, current mm-hmm. and true of today's... Um, society yes fashions have changed uh, home decor has changed uh, a lot of you know the external details have changed but as far as like the substance and the conflicts mm-hmm. and the the issues that we encounter still very very um very relevant to today like um today <laughs> Today, I watched the episode where Edith very innocently finds a magazine called Now Modern Family or something on the bus and responds to an ad in the swap section in the back, um, becomes pen pals with a couple from New Jersey who are looking for fun, open-minded, lonely, stable couple. (laughs) Yeah, and it turns out that they're swingers. And the swinger couple is played by Vincent Gardenia and Rue McClanahan. We see Rue McClanahan co-starring later on Maud, 
which by this point in All in the Family, Maud has also started mm. um, because her pilot um, dovetailed with the end of season two of All in the Family. Okay. So now Maud is happening. Um, we have seen interracial dating. We saw the swingers. Um, we saw um, the special two-part flashback episode to Michael and Gloria's wedding, mm -hmm. which had one of the sweetest Archie Gloria moments in the entire series, mm -hmm. and one of the sweetest Edith Gloria moments in the <laughs> entire series. Yeah, she gives her the talk. Edith is giving her the talk, and what actually happens is that Gloria gives Edith the the wedding night talk, mm. and um, and it's very sweet. And Jean Stapleton was just a marvel in this character. Mm -hmm. She just um, this show deserves all of the critical acclaim that it garnered mm -hmm. during its time and revisiting now for me is um, not just nostalgic warm fuzzy but it's also um, it's tweaking my brain as far as how much America has and has not changed yes culturally politically racially relationally within mm -hmm. families mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it's good TV. Oh, yeah. It and, is. It and is I'm wonderful. watching it on IMDb through our Amazon Prime. Right. And apparently you can get just an IMDb app for, yeah, I think for so. your streaming TV. So um, you don't have to be uh, an Amazon Prime member. You can just go and find it on whatever Wherever. streaming stick or box you have. Yeah. So. Um, we watched some episodes of some um, the the five seventies serial oh, yeah, killers. Yeah, 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 that yeah. was really interesting. I, I forgot think to write more, down the name of it. I think there's more of that to come, though. Well, yeah, it started about forty five minutes ago. Did as you? We, it was it on A and E. It's on A and E. Yes. Okay, it's a true crime week as we record this. The week of. August sixteenth uh, eh, on on A and E. It's True Crime Week, and they're doing a three part limited series about what is they appropriately described as the golden, the golden age, age of, of serial, serial killers, killers. Uh, which is the seventies. Um, yes, not that there weren't any prior to the seventies, but um, BTK, Green River Killer, uh, John Wayne Gacy. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy and Ted Bundy all five were were active within a very similar time frame yeah, in the 1970s within the same few years um and um, it was really fascinating and they don't they jump around from killer to killer it's not like one thing one episode is totally dedicated to one killer's narrative mm -hmm. they compare and contrast and and bounce around among them and talk about their various patterns and what they did and mm -hmm. how they did it and how they got away with it for so long. It was really interesting um, the way that the thing was put together for me. Yeah. Um, at the time, the term serial killer was unknown, even to the FBI. The phenomenon was un unthought of. Yes. Um, they just assumed it was a crazy person, like irrationally crazy not mean crazy and not crazy with a pattern yeah um they assumed that for instance the btk killings were done by a a guy just passing through town at least initially a transient yeah and and the first 
two, I think it was him, that the first two instances of killings they thought were not related. Right. And not by the same person, even. And because uh, Gacy's uh, murders occurred, uh, kids went missing in different uh, police jurisdictions, those jurisdictions didn't talk. Yeah, they weren't talking to each other. That was a, a big thing uh, on all of these, um, at least four of them. It helped them get away with it for as long as they did, that these police jurisdictions were not sharing information with one another. Um, it wasn't in, until Bundy uh, that uh, jurisdictions and states started sharing information, which was just a happy accident that they started doing that. A miracle, though. Yeah, and... And a turning point as far as police detective work. Uh, at the time, there was no such thing as DNA, at least as far as identifying people. No, they, I think Forensics. they had fingerprinting and blood typing they could do. Right. Somebody um, had the... Hair comparison yeah, analysis. Somebody had the presence of mind to mop up some fluid at a crime scene with strips of pillowcase that was analyzed much, much, much later. Yes, decades later. For a DM, for, to get a DNA profile. That was for BTK. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of these episodes. Um, while, that, while we were watching that, there was a promo for what they called an interview decades in the making or something like that or years in the making. And apparently they have put together an interview of uh, Dennis Rader, the BTK killer. Um, I have zero interest in hearing what he has to say. He is a man who enjoys talking about the vile, evil things he did. You can see it in his uh, statement to the court after he was caught and he pled guilty, or pleaded, I'm not, never sure how that's supposed to be, um, and he went through each one of his murders and was very specific. Well, he's very self-satisfied with yes. what he had done. He, he was proud of his work and wanted to be discovered. He enjoys the attention, and I won't give him any more. So, I may. That, that is entirely up to you. Uh, I think it's not until January. But oh Lord, who knows what could happen between now and then? Yeah. Gee whiz. So you know that is that was promoted during this the uh, the serial killers hiding in plain sight or something like I don't remember the name of it. But, but it's on A and E. It's on A and E, and um, yeah, it. Uh, we may get a little more of that when we close up here. There are three total episodes. Well, we can watch it on uh, on demand. So. Yeah. Uh, but. If if true crime is your thing, by this all means, interesting. this these are the uh, this is the Mount Rushmore plus one mm -hmm. of yeah. of serial killers. So um, you, you know, check it out if if that is your thing. All right, next week my turn. Yeah, uh huh. And we begin the end with Avengers: Infinity War, the first <laughs> of two films that bring. Um, the end to the Infinity Saga of gotcha. the Marvel movies. Um, and we don't know who the big bad is going... You know, Thanos has was teased in Avengers as the big bad. Mm -hmm. um, 
and then we got to see more of him as it went along. But they haven't teased, they haven't told us who the big bad is for the next series of uh, the next block of films. Okay. So uh, maybe when uh, Shang Chi comes out uh, in the Legend of the Ten Rings, that may give us an idea. Maybe it's Eternals. They'll tease some some big bad coming up. Don't know. But anyway, next week it is Avengers: Infinity War. Kind of looking forward to to putting start to put the the bow on yeah. this package of of episodes we've been doing, uh, and then we can finally watch the Disney Plus series that I've put off because I figured you might want to watch them with with the Loki Pokey stick. No. Pokey Loki. No, no, no Loki Pokey Pokey Loki stick uh, in in the series. Oh well. But anyway. So thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it definitely. If you have uh, Paramount Plus or on any of the streaming services where you can uh, rent movies, Catch 22 very well worth your time. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast app of your choice. Helps out the most if you do that on Apple Podcasts. But wherever you listen, we appreciate it. Uh, if you have a suggestion for something you want us to watch, send that to us. Send us the name of what it is, uh, where we can find it, and why you think we should watch it. Send that to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us by clicking the link in the description of this podcast, and you can leave us a voice message. Till next week. Love you. Love you. And later. Yay!